0: Welcome to the Building Heroes podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey, hey, welcome to the Building Heroes podcast. This is episode 99, and that's exciting because we're about to hit the big number of 100. And, um, I just want to give a shout out to you for being loyal listeners and making this a podcast that can keep going. So, uh, next week I'm going to be doing a giveaway to celebrate. So be sure you to listen into that one, but first let's, we better dive into episode 99. And what I wanted to do in this episode is answer questions that I had gotten, which, um, when I had my Black Friday sale going, I talked about the curriculum that was in the bundle and how it uses modern neuroscience techniques for learning. And some of you were wondering exactly what that meant. And so I thought, yeah, let's do a little deeper dive into that and see how we can use these modern neuroscience techniques to facilitate our homeschool learning. So it doesn't have to take it as long and it makes it a lot easier when you understand these and know about these. So over the past 30 years, 30 years or so, there have been these huge strides strides in um, neuroscience, right? In cognitive neuroscience. And that's just big fancy words in learning about how our brain works and how we think and how our brains learn, right? Now, some of these techniques maybe won't sound so modern because maybe we kind of knew about these before um but having this new modern technology and and experimentation um have made it so that we could see more clearly and it's confirmed some of these things that maybe we already knew but some of these things too are have probably been somewhat surprising to researchers too. So today I'm just going to go over uh, some of them. We're not going to get too scientific here, don't worry. But I just want to talk about some of these different things and how we can apply them to homeschool and life, really. So the first one is neuroplasticity. And you may have heard of this before, but what does that really mean, right? So what that means though is that our brains can change. But we would have to train them to do so. Now, previously, you probably heard this belief, because this is kind of a cliche. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? (laughs) But except for you can for humans. And that's because of neuroplasticity. And for kids, they have even more neuroplasticity than adults do. But don't worry, not too late for the adults. Now, what that really just means is, um, you know, a plastic is something that could be molded or shaped or changed, right? So if we have neuroplasticity, it just means we can always keep learning, okay? And it's kind of interesting because if you start out with habits, we have those habits because we have these neural pathways in our brains, so the way we get these habits is we're thinking the same thing or doing the same thing over and over again. It's the repetition, right? And as we have that repetition, that's that's what we learn, right? So one of the main ways of learning is repetition, okay? The problem is that sometimes the repetition isn't necessarily of things that serve us well, right? We can create habits that aren't good <laughs> and, and really, for most of us, it's really difficult to get into or out of a habit because we weren't really ever taught about the neural pathways, partly because we don't really understand that or have the language for it, but also partly just because it's just not really taught a whole lot. So um, with habits, the way you can create a new habit is you have to create a new thought and, and action that goes along with that usually. So and we can do that intentionally. Now, this definitely applies to homeschooling in so many ways, because not only can you help your kids acquire good habits, but it can also help, like, maybe if they hit a roadblock with learning. And... um you know, maybe they've decided I'm not good at math because they just didn't get it right away, or something, or they didn't like their curriculum, or whatever. Well, we can help them learn how to love math more by teaching them that they are in charge of their own thoughts and they can choose which thoughts to think. Um, and they can change the neural pathways by helping them replace their negative thoughts that stop them from doing things with more positive ones. And we c- I could probably talk about this all day, but I'm not going to on this podcast because that would take too long. But cool thing is, is I am launching the Power Program in January, and we talk all about this. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's changed my life so much. Um, So there's really two different ways that our brains learn things. And one of them I mentioned already, which is repetition. And the other one is through meaning, okay? Repetition is what builds up those neural pathways. We, it's like you're, you're creating a rut. The more you drive over it, the deeper it gets, right? And that's why it's hard to get out of a habit because you're like in the rut. Um, but it's also why it's a great idea to help your kids learn good habits when they're younger, Don't worry if you haven't taught them all the good habits, it's not too late. That's the good thing about neuroplasticity. Now, repetition is also the main technique that we are accustomed to learning uh, using that technique through public schools, because that's how most of us grew up learning. It's just a lot of repetition, okay? If you repeat off things often enough, it should stick in your brain, right? And this is true, But (laughs) there's a caveat, okay? The reason why public schools use a lot of repetition is because if you repeat it enough, then most of the kids will get it, okay? So it basically is for efficiency's sake uh, to teach a bunch of kids all at once, okay? But a big problem with this is that if we mostly just use repetition, that can get really boring to kids (laughs) who already have learned something, right? And it can also just be boring when it's not relevant. So if the information is not really relevant to their own lives, then you have to use a lot more repetition. Okay. And so that's why they have to use a lot of repetition because it's not individualized education. Okay, so A lot of the stuff isn't really that relevant to them right then. Now, and I'm not saying this to bash on public schools, but rather to show you that this is actually really good news for homeschoolers, right? Because we can individualize our education and we don't have to do the years and years of many of these subjects of practice. If our kid is getting more meaning from us at home, they're not going to need as much repetition, they will still need the repetition, but if we add that meaning in, wow, it accelerates things greatly, okay? So for example, i found that we actually really do not need to do seven years of grammar page worksheets to get the grammar to stick, because instead what we can do is we can teach it in the context of reading and writing, so then it's relevant, and we could also do fun mini lessons, like maybe Mad Libs or whatever, because it's fun and fun has meaning to pe- their ki- the kids' lives, right? And so what that does is it gives you some repetition, but more importantly, it just gives you all that meaning, you know, again, through the relevance and through the feelings because it's just much more enjoyable. So <clears throat> that is one great way. We can accelerate learning. Now, the other cool thing is, is instead of having to feel like we have to teach all the things all the time, we can just work on helping our kids develop one or two habits at a time. Because what we're doing is we're training their brains. And as they learn one habit and how to get that habit, it's going to make it easier for the next habit, which is super cool because that means it's just going to get easier and easier for them to learn how to develop habits. And of course, one thing that I think I have discovered is for one of the secrets of life is knowing how to develop a good habit and how to break a bad habit is probably one of the most important life skills we could have for a successful life, right? But that's rarely in the curriculum. (laughs) And understanding how our brain works so that we can program our own neural pathways Wow, that's powerful because then they're going to be able to keep learning. And then the great thing is, is don't worry, you're, you're never going to have all your habits be perfect and all of your bad habits broken. <laughs> so we always have good things to keep learning on, but you have confidence that you can keep learning it or you can keep making those changes to become better and better if you've learned how to do it first with the first habit and then the second habit, because then it will just get easier. And <clears throat> so after, this is one reason why I actually got into studying science and how our brains work, because I used to think, wait, I'm pretty smart. I got good grades in school, but why can't I figure out this whole change thing? Why can't I figure out the habit? And it really just turned out that I had never learned how my brain worked and how I could teach myself with repetition and meaning. So, after I did a lot of research and trial and error, I did finally succeed in that. And so just knowing how the neuroplasticity of our brain works is a really powerful st- uh, tool. And not only just for teaching our kids academics and teaching them life skills, but for ourselves as well, too. So that's one reason why I'm really excited for this Bauer program coming up in January, because that's really what we dive into. Okay, so we talked about this neuroplasticity, and, the, and a big part of it is the repetition, but we also have to have the meaning. So these other ones are going to be more meaning-based, how we can add more meaning to them so that we can learn faster. So the next one is stories, and this one's pretty fascinating because we found that our brains are actually wired to learn from stories, And the reason why is because stories is what makes information relevant to our brains. That's what gives it meaning. So if we back up to the ancient um, people of the world, like the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, uh, we have all their stories from the myths that we still have, right? And they have these myths that they created as stories to explain the world around them, okay? So they don't have all the science that we do today, and they didn't have the language of mathematics necessarily. I mean, they had some, but they didn't know how to explain it all. So they told stories about why volcanoes erupt or why things happened around them, okay? Now... Sometimes we look back and we think, oh, well, that's just a made up story. That's so silly. Those old people. Ancient people didn't know what they were talking about, but we still make up stories today to explain our world around us in our brains. So we tell our story, self stories, all the time about what our life is like, about who we are, and who we want to be, and all the and all that too. So we we also tell these stories to explain the world around us, even if we don't have our myths published. And when we say myth, it it may or may not be true. Um, and this is you know, I guess we could say this is really old science, actually. <laughs> and this is also really the pattern of the hero's journey. That's the the pattern of the hero's journey is a story that's as old as time, but it resonates with us because it gives meaning to our lives. It's the pattern for our lives, right? So in our homeschool, when we include a lot of stories, our brains can relate to those stories because we can take that story and relate it to our own lives. And we can also make stories. We can create stories in our brain that don't serve us. And we can also intentionally create good stories that do serve us as well. So this is one thing that's really interesting. It's like, I hated history in high school because I thought it was so boring because we were reading these textbooks that were really just full of facts and dry information. It's because they took out all the stories and there were no stories to make connections with so the stories really do give meaning and so when we use more stories we need less repetition um so one thing about stories though is sometimes we have stories that we we that people write in order to teach a lesson if a story is too moralizing or too preachy then our brains will shut that off because we don't want to hear it because we want to be able to make the connections ourselves. So we got to be careful about that, like telling the kids the moral of the story or teaching them the point that we want them to. If we do that, there's not as much meaning because they didn't make the connection. So that brings me to the next one, which is connections. When we make the connections ourselves, especially with the stories or between two different items that don't seem related and we make a connection, wow, that sends off sparks and it makes neuron connections in our brains. So making connections is really exciting. And that's how it feels when we love learning. And so when we can help our kids make the connections, it's giving them more meaning to the information so they're going to learn faster and they're going to remember it longer now when I say help our kids make connections I don't mean make the connections for them and that's so hard to do sometimes now if you you have a great epiphany or connection you could share it with them and that's totally genuine because they know you're not trying to make the connection for them you're just sharing yours and that's okay but um, we can help our kids make the connections by asking questions. And, and they don't have to be leading questions or whatever. It could be thinking questions. But it can also um, expose them to a lot of different ideas and stories. And then we can also help them learn with all five of their senses. So whenever possible, it's great if we can incorporate um, visualization. That's one reason why stories are great too, because it activates their visualization in their brains. They start creating um, the picture of what it looks like in the book. And then I don't know if you've ever done this, but you read the book and then you watch the movie and you're kind of disappointed because it doesn't look anything like what you pictured. (laughs) But read alouds are so awesome because they're making the connection in their brains not only with the story to themselves but they're creating a picture too so that's awesome but you can also use um when we talk about the five senses you know sometimes we kind of just get stuck in just using maybe one or two but if we the more games we can do that's great because that gives them a feeling of fun and doing hands-on stuff Read aloud is also great too because they're hearing it with their ears and they're seeing it. So just any of those things that we can do to help them think and have the sparks without doing it for them is great because that creates a lot of meaning too. Now, other connections that maybe we sometimes don't think of as a way to facilitate learning is human connection because as we connect with other people, our lives have more meaning. So if our lives have more meaning, we're going to learn more easily. And as adults, you know, I think m- many of us realize, yeah, it's all about the relationships, right? It's not all about the information. <laughs> so in our homeschool, school, we can definitely make connections as we have these shared learning experiences together because it's building our relationship, but it's also helping them learn more too. And so that's another good reason to have family read alouds too, because um, that is a shared learning experience and other family learning stuff too. Now, the next way to bring in meaning to be aware of is uh, being aware of feelings. Okay. Because (laughs) it's, it's always good to look at your kids and see how they're feeling about what they're learning. If they're shutting down you are going to need a lot more repetition for them to get it. If you're pushing them through the curriculum every single day and they hate it, you're going to need a lot more repetition. Um, if So if you can find a way to make it more interesting, it's going to help a lot, right? Because what we found in our brains, if your brain is bored, doesn't like something, that learning is not going to stick very well. It's just not going to be creating that neural pathway. Um, And that is one reason why repetition has to be used so much in schools, because many times the teachers don't have the time or the resources to get the kids inspired and interested because they have to get through the curriculum in order to meet the standards so they can take the test, which is a bummer, really. (laughs) So, you know, that's the thing we want to do with our kids is pay attention to how they're feeling about the subject. So really, it's almost more important to create a good feeling around the, the learning than it is to actually try to pound it into their brains, okay? Um, so repetition, like I said, it's still good, but it's you don't need nearly as much when they're feeling good about it. Okay. And when you have an interest or a passion, you're going to learn way faster than if you don't like it. Or if something you don't like is going to help you get to your interest or passion, you're going to be more likely to sit down and learn it. Right. And that leads me to the last one on my list today, which is willingness. And there's been a lot of studies on um, willpower and willingness too because when 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 you're willing to do something then your brain is going to be a lot more open to it than when you're not willing to do something <laughs> okay so you can teach your kids how to be more willing and this is a skill that definitely takes time. There are things that maybe they need to do that they don't want to do, but we can teach them. Well, we're gonna ch- we can choose to do it anyway, and and be willing, and it will be okay. But that unlocks a lot of extra power in their brains when you're willing. Now, again, if you're making the kids learn uh, to complete the curriculum, you're going to need a lot more repetition to learn it. When they want to learn something, their brain is going to be a lot more willing to do that hard work to get through that learning curve in order to get the results that they want. So we see this all the time as adults. This is what adults do because let's say they want to learn how to do something. Like maybe somebody wants to learn how to build a website. Okay. They don't know how to do it. Well, but they want the results of it. They want to finish website. Well, so then they're going to take the time to work on it and figure out how to do it because they want the result because they're interested. Um, But often we don't think about this with our kids. So if we can present them with the information in a way that's engaging and interesting to them and then allow them to dive deep on it, it's really amazing on what they do. And often it's really amazing what they choose to do because it's not what you pictured at all. And I think another thing that helps with willingness a lot is if we can focus on their strengths instead of on their weaknesses. And that's typically we do that. We think, oh, no, they're behind and they're, they're never going to learn this. And that's their weakness. And I'm not saying ignore that, but I'm just saying let's put more focus on what they are willing to do and what they do enjoy doing and, and let them run with that, because that builds a lot of confidence and good feelings. And they're going to be learning way faster with that, too. Anyway, that's just a few of these methods that neuroscience has showed us scientifically that are effective ways to learn, and we can learn much faster when we combine the repetition with the meaning. Now, um, and of course, memorization, repetition, that sort of thing, those certainly are great methods for building the neural pathways, but let's try to think a little bit more about how you can actually add more of the meaning part, the relevance, the good feelings, the magic into your homeschool too. And if you want more help and support with that, that's what we love to do over at buildingheroesathome.com. And just a final reminder, we got episode hundred next week. I'm really excited about this because, um, Truly, this is one of those neural pathways I had to build for myself to learn how to actually get to 100 podcasts. So we've got a giveaway to celebrate. And so hope to see you there, there. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on building heroes in your home, get the free building heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.